Welcome to No Picks After Dark, Baltimore Sun's best podcast of 2020, voted by you, the listeners. No Picks After Dark seeks to build a community based on human experience, storytelling, and conversation. Now your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to No Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have some very, very special gentlemen coming on the show. You know, I've been trying to get these guys on the show for at least two or three months. And, you know, when money's talking, they're busy. I get it. It's all about the money out here, folks. And uh, I'm so happy to have them on. It's one of the brand new restaurants in the Laurelville, Hamilton, Moravia, Walter, wherever you want to call it, everything, Northeast Baltimore neighborhood. Um, without further ado, the gentlemen who are firing not rice. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. We're doing great. So, guys, um, like, introduce yourselves. Go around the room, introduce yourselves, and uh, tell, the, tell the audience a little bit about you guys. I am Sean Lagergren. I am one of the chefs at Fire and Rice. I'm Kevin Chewing. I'm the uh, other cooker dude. <laughs> I'm Alex Champagne. I'm, I like to call myself the manager of smiles and beverages. It's great, 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 great. I like, I like that. So, you guys, I mean, we have you here. Tell us a little bit back about your background, about your restaurants. How did you guys get into that type of thing? Food industry. I mean, everybody likes to cook when they grow up, or some do, <laughs> some don't. My famous dish was a ramen dish. No pun intended. What we're doing right now, but you know, put it in the water, boil it real quick, and things of that nature. How did you guys get into just food, like growing up? Well, uh, when I was little, my mom would let me cook on Saturdays and I watched way too many cooking shows. So I would destroy her kitchen. And then, uh, one day she let me know, you know, you can go to school for that. And, uh, it was all downhill from there. Um, I, I'm definitely not the cook in my household. Um, I, my, my role in the restaurant is, comes from my background of, uh, of service, customer service. Um, and that turned into, uh, bartending and then managing bars and managing front of house of restaurants. Um, but I, I love to eat. Um, I love good food. Uh, my wife's a great cook. These guys are great cooks. Um, yeah, that's kind of why I love being in the restaurant industry. And I was, I grew up in South Louisiana. My grandmother and mother were phenomenal cooks. Most of the people down there that I grew up with were phenomenal cooks, but I got most of my inspiration from my mother and my grandmother and discovered when I moved to Baltimore that I got into the industry and moved very quickly without knowing that I had skills. Um, They would ask me to do things and I was able to do it without really understanding that I had already known to do it. And they moved me up very quickly and then by the age of 30, I gotten my first executive head chef. Awesome, man. Awesome. Um, give you guys a quick background. Just have a, I don't have a culinary background, but I used to work for Wegmans Food Market. So I used to work with the executive chefs and those guys back in the day, open all the stores from Virginia to New Jersey, all around. So gives a little quick little background by myself, cool. food and whatnot. So you're originally not from Baltimore, I hear in the background. So no, sir. Tell us a little bit about you. You know, how'd you get here? Uh, well, I'm from a t- very, very small town in South Louisiana called Homa, Louisiana. Um, I was living there, and my parents, my family was living up here in Baltimore. My dad was an engineer on tugboats, and they had he had gotten a good job up here with Moran towing, and they had been living up here for a couple of years, and the jobs down in Louisiana aren't very good, and it's hard to come by, and... To work in a restaurant, you have to work in at least a couple to get make any kind of decent money or work in New Orleans. And I was living in Homa, which is small. And my mom kept sending me the Help Wanted ads up here. And finally, I sold my Volkswagen and moved up, got on a plane, and then fell in love with Baltimore instantly. I love this city. And so now I've been here longer than I was in Louisiana. So I, I always give mad props to Baltimore as being my second home. That's awesome. 
What about you two guys? Are you guys originally from Maryland, Baltimore area? I grew up in Parkville. I uh, moved away a few times and just ended up coming back because it's just a beautiful place to be. It's it's a small town where we just actually talked about this morning how you just can't help but know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. And that's just a great feeling. Yeah. Um, for me, both uh, my folks were military. We moved around a lot. Um, we moved to Maryland when I was about, I think, like third grade. Um, and I, even though I lived in other countries, other cities, like Ma Maryland quickly became like, you know, I wanted to make it home, I think just because I had moved around so much as a little, as, you know, as a young kid. Um, and then moved into Baltimore during college, kind of like same with Sean, like I've been living in Baltimore than I've lived anywhere else. So yeah, I, Baltimore is my home. Awesome. So, um, you know, we talked about you guys moving here and whatnot. So hospitality, restaurant industry. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> Why would you want to get yelled at? Why would you want to deal with customer service all day long? I mean, I just know working when I work for Wegmans, opening stores, 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 you know, the customer, I call it almost always right, but not always right. <laughs> but uh, just getting back to that, I mean, why would you want to get into hospitality? You know, that, I mean, it's your family life has to be stressful. Life, you don't have a life, holidays, you're working. <laughs> so why would you guys want to get into that? I mean, just curious. I've, I've always looked at it like um, it's, a, it's a craft. And you dedicate yourself to your craft. An artist dedicates himself to their craft. And I was lucky enough to have very supportive family. And even my kids are very supportive to know that this is something that comes from my heart. I'm not just putting food on a plate for you to eat. I'm putting part of my heart on that plate. And that's why the three of us get along so well, because we all feel the same way about food. We all take very seriously like what we do, whether it's, you know, cooking or making drinks or customer service like hospitality like making sure that people feel welcome and comfortable like that that's a skill like it's it's hard it's hard to be patient and kind to people it's easy to be short and and mean and hateful um so it's it's a skill and it's a talent and a craft like like kevin said and we take it very very seriously and we want you know people to enjoy what we're doing you know for me I do. It, it is. It's hard for the family, you know, especially in this time because I was home for seven months straight and my kids have never seen me home for that long. And then to now start to peel away from them, they're having to adjust. But they're so proud of what we're doing that they're understanding and they really enjoy that I'm getting my two days off. That I get that, and I get to go spend it with them, and you know, and that's what I keep pumping into them is that we get those two days, you know, but they love the ramen. <laughs> <laughs> the ramen, definitely, definitely. So, just with you guys, and you know, leading to you, how did you guys find each other? Like, I'm just I'll always people always wonder, like, how do you guys find each other? I mean, I know the hospitality business is small; everybody knows everybody, but how did you guys just come up with? I want to do sushi. I want to do ramen. And, you know, Alex brings his expertise in for hospitality with the awesome purple drinks. We'll talk about that a little bit later, folks. The purple drink. Not Kool-Aid, though. Purple it's drink. It's really good. <laughs> Imagine that with vodka, but we don't have that yet. We'll get there soon. Not yet, but coming soon. Yeah. But so how did you guys meet? Like, how does well, that happen? I got to tell you, the, this whole thing has been like a, a really weird, like, boxes falling into place kind of thing. Sean and I worked together for a few years, and it just it's just one of those brother goof with each other can really get a lot of things done in a very short amount of time like finishing each other's jokes just that kind of camaraderie and we discovered that we couldn't do it all and then this beautiful man across from us <laughs> came in and fixed a lot of things that we didn't know how to do and has an amazing personality and is fun and can dance like a madman when he has to <laughs> it was just a, a collaboration that just was meant to be and all the timing and stuff and all the delays and all the pressure and all that kind of stuff. A lot of delays. All three of us are still goofy and giggly and pushing our way through. I think my favorite part of the story was um, I'd seen on uh, like a Baltimore bartender Facebook group that uh, someone was looking for uh, a bar manager or front of manager uh, for this spot. And I was like, oh, that'd be so great to like 
get to do this concept in my neighborhood. Um, and I sent in, I sent in a resume I never heard back. And then one day, like I, I've known Sean for years, just from his restaurants that he's done in Hamilton too. And we always bump into each other and are always checking in on each other. And one day I mentioned, you know, bartending and, and all that stuff. And he's like, Oh, you, you bartend? You manage bar? And he's like, like, yeah. He's like, Oh, I'm, I'm opening a spot over here. I'm like, Oh, fire and rice. That's something you're involved with. I sent you guys a resume three months ago. <laughs> and then we sat, we sat down and, and actually, you know, got to know each other more and, and explain the concept. And it just it, uh, really clicked with these guys. And the concept just made um, a whole lot of sense, like, for the neighborhood. When I figured out that it was him, I went directly back to the kitchen and told Kevin that we were hiring him. It wasn't even a question. He was the guy that we were going to bring in as the third and originally, we were going to offer him the position that for a year he works works for a year, and after that year, we'll make that decision if we wanted to bring him in as a partner. And it wasn't even the a first, month. The first meeting, we were like, nope, that's we the were like, partner. We were like, you're going to be partner in this business because we just felt the connection with him, and it was strong. I love that. I love that. So, so you guys brought it up. Delays. <laughs> delays, delays, delays. Um, I know you've opened up several store, several restaurants before. Um, have you guys ever seen anything like this? Unless pre precursor, COVID happened. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just something that probably would never happen ever in this world again. Hopefully, knock on wood. But you guys like went through. I knew you guys were open in spring. Was it? Correct me if I'm wrong here. Spring this year, or was it summer this year? You guys supposed to open up. T technically, <laughs> um, yeah. it was almost a year ago we were supposed to oh, open. Wow. October of last year. I mean, there was there were snowballs of things that just kind of went wrong, and we just took them as they were. We did what we could when we could, and pushed our way through. and And I got to tell you, there's no roadmap, instructions, anything to tell you how to do any of this. It's it's a it's a ask for forgiveness later kind of thing. You just kind of mess up and do it again, and the three of us have fought our way through it. Like if one of us reads a piece of paper and doesn't understand it, we kind of slide it down the desk to the next guy and see if he can figure it out. And that's how we've gotten this far. Well, yeah, that's definitely part of the, what makes the trio work is that if one person isn't able to do it, the other person is going to be filling the hole. And was one of the great things about having Alex come aboard was there were things that Kevin and I could have tried to do, but with the focus we didn't want to lose the focus in the kitchen. We wanted to be able to put all of our energy there and we needed somebody strong to take care of the rest of the front of the house. And thank goodness we found Alex. So I guess when, so when it got delayed in springtime, remember spring, you guys mm -hmm. were pushing, what's your thoughts of trying to get income in? Like, what are you thinking at this point? Like, you know, COVID, COVID you had a big, so let's rewind it. The shot, the place you're in right now is not the original place you guys had designed, correct? Correct. Correct. All right, give us a little background on the place you designed for the folks out there. All right, so the 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 big deal intention is was about 140 seats, big horseshoe shaped bar, private dining room, full on stepping into Japan when you walk into this place. Our take on what it should be. It's basically three different types of cuisine that you would find in small places put into one place and like a kind of a festive atmosphere. The nature of what's going on in the world right now, that's not feasible with 50% capacity and masks, and it would just not be a, a happy environment. We were offered the opportunity to take a smaller space and do the carry out and small dine-in, and it just happens to work. We just kind of revamped the menus a little and revamped our style a little bit and made it happen. The one lucky thing for us, and that's, using that term very loosely, was that the pandemic happened and we, before we actually opened. So we kind of learned the rules and were able to manipulate the rules to fit what we were going to do in the smaller space. You know, where, where we're focused on curbside, we will do delivery soon and having a few seats in there just for if people wanted to sit in. Yeah, we didn't have like... 20, 30 tables that we now had to find storage for. We can't keep them all in the dining room. We, 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 could all, we knew we only needed, you know, six or seven tables and these many chairs. So we, 
we saved, we cut a lot of corners, you know, already having like the underhanded throw to us um, opening a restaurant in the midst of COVID where so many other like of your favorite restaurants in Baltimore are like having to to learn to pivot and, and how to how to change their business model. Whereas, you know, us, like we knew what we were dealt. With you guys being in the restaurant industry for so long, you saw what happens to other restaurants in, in Baltimore, all over the country, what's happening. You know, it's... It's feast or famine right now at the end of the day. It's going to be a rough winter just going into it. For what, sure. You know, what things did you guys saw that you guys were like, all right, we're going to change right away? Like, what things, take us through some of your mind thoughts of just like thinking like, all right, we got we to gotta do it. Because think about it, you're trained a certain way for so long, and now you're like, this may be the new norm for probably another year. Well, you know, the biggest thing you're always taught in, in all of this food service is just your sanitation and, and your general cleanliness of the facility. Kicking that up a few notches is not a big deal. Our concern was to make it safe for the guests, safe for them to get the food, safe for them to enjoy the food if they do want to dine in. And it, it was just a matter of like really reading what the CDC said and what, what the uh, government officials have been telling us about how many people can seat and just really sticking to the rules. I think a lot of it's like transparency too. Like not only like we know that we're making things sanitary and safe but also uh showing that whether that's through you know social media or online or just people see us in the restaurant like wiping down tables immediately um we're, we're trying to do a, a lot of con you know contactless or limit limited contact where you know we've i've seen some places using like trays they're, they're dropping trays to tables so we're not servers aren't touching bowls or silverware and that kind of things. And, and just taking those steps to, to show our, our guests that we're conscious and we want pe people to feel comfortable. Um, again, with like online stuff, like showing them all of the ways that they can get food from us, whether it's dining in, grabbing something to go, parking out front and we bring it out to them, just doing, taking all the steps and showing people, you know, how they can dine with us. That's awesome because I, I went to a couple restaurants this summer and I went to have like Q, the QR codes where you scan at the table and it's just, it's crazy. Pretty much it's like hands free, you know? And I was kind of like, wow, I feel like I'm in Europe kind of, like, <laughs> you know, we're doing things in America finally. <laughs> like, you know, you're like, wow, okay. I like this. Um, so let's talk about the community. Okay. Um, why did you guys decide to be in this community? Northeast Baltimore, Laurelville, Hamilton. Why? Because we live here. It's home. You know, we want to see our neighborhood grow. And I love this neighborhood. When I moved here, me and my wife were driving the U-Haul. The and I turned to her and I said, this is where we're going to first. I'm going to open my first restaurant this is in this neighborhood. And this was back 10 years ago, you know, so I love this neighborhood. I mean, my, my experience here has been amazing with, with these guys. When we did the markets, we had such a wonderful response and such a friendly, like greeting from everyone every day. And then our first Friday night open was insane with the amount of people coming in, but every single neighbor that came in said welcome to the neighborhood and it wasn't that glad handing stuff it was like straight smile and thank you for we coming to the neighborhood so excited you guys are finally and it, here and it, open yeah we felt it we all felt it and it was awesome and that's why we want to be here i always tell the story how um and i told you i've told you guys before about this for me to get go get sushi i would i mean i live in this neighborhood also i would drive all the way down to federal hill to show you sushi sushi in federal hill Ford Avenue. <laughs> now, just to give the audience a perspective of that, that's about a 25-minute ride from where we are right now. That's without traffic. Finding parking Finding or a garage. Par <laughs> you, you got garage parking. You, I mean, it's, it's a struggle. Um, I know some other people who go out to Towson, rotating sushi bars, stuff like that. But for me, that was my where I went to. So to add something different in this neighborhood is awesome and unique. It's something that we needed in this neighborhood really like where did you guys think of that like how did you guys come up with sushi where did, like what how did that come up ramen like i mean well it, it's funny because uh when you work with a chef like you kind of can really see where their heart is 
and Sean has this amazing ability to build like this kind of low country flavor, slow and steady braising and, you know, stocks and things like that. And I was trained by a sushi chef for many years. I ran a sushi restaurant for a while and we just started putting these ideas together. And ramen is his wheelhouse, man. It's built broths that are just like simple, but beautifully filled with flavor. And it just, it worked. It was an idea that was like, this neighborhood is going to eat this. We also wanted to do something where, you know, Japanese was, cuisine was kind of out of my wheelhouse, but I understand the building of flavors. So I had to do a lot of research and studying and on what they do and how they build those flavors. And I didn't want to dishonor their traditions, but I also wanted to give it a little bit of my own to it. So I think that I've got a very healthy balance between those two with what we're doing. That's awesome. That's awesome to um, hear that because I was always wondering, like, where did that come from? Just, you know, out of the blue because I didn't. It was like, because everything over here, you have burger places, you have pizza places, you have traditional dinner places, but then sushi and ramen was like, Well, the neighborhood was was screaming for for it for years, you know, just because we didn't have anything over here. So that was part of what why that idea kind of came into play was because we don't have it, and you're not going to open another pizza Americana restaurant because we have some really really good ones already here. So we wanted to bring something different, and with Kevin having already had experience working in a Japanese restaurant. It would just kind of fit into place, and then my ability to be able to like research it and learn it. Nice, nice. So when you guys figured out the ramens, the broths, like just like how long did it take you to learn that? Because I mean, that is a science. almost two years. Because I mean, for me, I mean, ramen. Like I didn't get shoes ramen when I got when I was younger. But then, like, my bougie friends was like, yeah, I get this ramen. I'm like, what the hell? Well, this ramen? Ramen What's doesn't ramen? come in a pack. Yeah, like a ramen pack, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'll be honest here. That was, like, the 39-cent pack. And um, I remember I went to a certain restaurant that I won't name, and that was my first experience of having ramen. And I was like, damn, this is some $12 ramen. This is pretty good. <laughs> like, $15 ramen, you know? I'm adding things on. It's $21. And I'm like... I just ate some ramen and swing, but it was really delicious. I'll always go back to the first thing I remember. Um, it was pretty cool because when I got you guys, I was looking for corn on it. In the other place, you had to put corn in it. Um, and with corn was already added. And I was like, oh, that's, that's awesome. We already got that covered. I always <laughs> wanted the corn. The corn like sets it off with the uh, mushroom sets it off. And then, you know, you can get whatever else. And I was like, they already have it here. So I always wonder, like, just you guys doing that. Because the, the broth is what it's all about. Let's be honest. Oh, no, the, for sure. The broth, I mean, it's going to be a cold winter. <laughs> it's going to be a cold winter, fellas. I'm just going to let you know. It's going to be a cold winter, you know. And I'm thinking, like, nothing like a good broth on a cold winter day. It, there are tough times. It's gonna, you know? So, again, like, kudos to you guys for finding that niche and giving this neighborhood some, you know, love that was needed. Now, how did you guys end up in the Soha? Um, how did you guys end up there? That, that, you know, that right next to Zeke's, so where people on Harford Road, what's the address of your, your place? 4801. 4801 Harford Road. Um, so how did you guys end up there? Well, Sam is the developer for this, all this in the neighborhood, and I met him about four years ago, and we started to, we wanted to do something together, and a couple of things had kind of fallen through and then this building came into play and he offered it. And then I immediately went to Kevin and said, we got to do this together. So. All right. So we, we, you guys are knocking out all the questions. (laughs) I'm just not even. So how did you guys, what did you guys do to do the, like the taste trials? Who did you guys go out to? I mean, I know you guys probably, are just full of ramen and sushi. You guys probably eat so much. It's like you probably are tired of it right now. But just in general, how did you guys get the taste test? What did you guys do to get out to the community? Did you guys do a community effort of giving like tastings? I know you probably couldn't do it because of COVID and everything else. But what did you guys do to so you guys knew you had the right mix going on? I think we're just our harshest critics, really. Yeah. I think yeah. you guys have been working on your recipes for so long. 
Um, you're always tweaking them. Um, all the all the um, education you guys have been giving yourselves over the time you Love build up that, books. and then and then we come down and we sit together, we have a meal, and 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 we we put all out there. We're like not we don't want we're giving all the feedback we can, and we none of us really take it personally. We know it's to improve the product. The market was a great test spot for us. Oh yeah, especially for Kevin, you know. We're going to do yakitori eventually when we get upstairs, but we weren't able to do it in a smaller space. But I was able to do it out at the market. So that was where I was kind of testing that part of it out. And Kevin was doing sushi, which I didn't think at first, but he proved me wrong, and people were going crazy for his sushi out. Well, again, like I said, there's nothing around here. I mean, right. there's nothing within the probably a four or five-mile radius of, let's be honest, good sushi. <laughs> You can get sushi anywhere, <laughs> <laughs> but this good sushi, I've had it, I mean, you guys, I saw you guys every Tuesday. Yep. Yep. Every Tuesday I was there, and I, I mean, I always get the uh, the pork that was grilled, that, I mean, that, Oh yeah. you gotta bring, we gotta bring that back. I will. You when, we, <laughs> when we get a full restaurant, I will have a, <laughs> you got the yakitori is that gonna yakitori, be big. That, 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 that's, that's legit, that's legit. Thank you. And the sushi, y'all, obviously, and the purple, the purple drink. Right, let's talk about the purple drink. <laughs> what do you want it's, it's not Kool-Aid, folks. It's not Kool-Aid, okay? It's not the purple drink you get anywhere. But tell us, tell, let's tell the audience about the purple drink. Come on. I mean. It's, um, so what makes it that color is uh, there's a, a flower called the butterfly pea flower. And they dry these leaves. It's, it's, it's essentially a tea almost. Um, and it reacts to acid so like lemon juice or lime juice it turns from blue to a very very bright purple and I knew I just I wanted to work with that tea um, and I was just building the drink around that um, I wanted to add more layers more colors to it um, peach I think peach is a big flavor that's used in Japanese cuisine it was the summertime and they were in season I found some amazing peaches and made uh, a puree and a syrup, and just tried a bunch of things with those flavors. And just, it looked beautiful, it tasted great. Uh, I realized at the market that the the really bright, colorful drinks were selling better. People would see someone walking down with a purple drink, and like, wow, what's that, I want that. And I just started, I think, rather than basing my drinks off of the flavors I wanted to work with while we are at the market and started doing more with some bold, beautiful colors that just pe catch people's eyes. It was really funny. You know, it's kind of like when people get margaritas. They see the big bright yellow. They say, people <laughs> with their eyes. You know that. It's like, wow. I, I kinda, that's why I caught my eye. I was like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. You know, it could it might taste we, like dirt, but it still looks pretty. We tried, to put, <laughs> and we tried to put and the then it was, on and did the taste good too, like stirring it in front of the customers so they could see that that color change was just really fun, you know? Yeah, what goes good with alcohol with that? Come on now, you got to give us a little... I think it's some tequila, some vodka, gin. I mean, it's... I, I don't know, maybe... I think a brown liquor might ruin the color a little bit, but any of the, the nice clear spirits would probably do just fine. They go down smooth. Don't worry about it. <laughs> This episode of No Picks After Dark Podcast is sponsored by the Charm City Craft Mafia, Baltimore's best local craft fair, presenting Holiday Heap, a virtual craft show the first weekend in December, featuring handmade stationery, apparel, jewelry, ceramics, wall art, body care, small batch food gifts, and more, crafted by makers in Baltimore and the region. Holiday Heap is Friday through Sunday, December 4th through the 6th. More at CharmCityCraftMafia.com and on Instagram and Facebook at CharmCityCraftMafia. So, you guys, let's get into the first weekend you guys opened up. Now, I was away. I had some other <laughs> things to take care of. And I remember I was sitting where I was at, checking on Instagram. And I'm like, damn, they got some. I'm looking at the pictures, people posting, reposting. I'm like, all right, I'm about to call an order and somebody come pick it up for me and drop it off for me. And uh, I look up, sold out. So I'm like, what the hell? Sold out. What are your thoughts of that? First week, I mean, it was, you guys were open for two days, right? Was it two days? Sold out. Like, what goes through, I mean, when you guys huddled up and you guys looked at your product and inventory and you're like, damn, what do we do? Like, what was your first thoughts? How'd you guys come together and say, let's, let's regroup? What was the thoughts? You guys have all business owners. You guys have ran through it. 
what were some of the things that you guys were like, this cannot, because then you have customers like, this can't happen on the open weekend. Well, our first thought was, damn, because that was just. This neighborhood's hungry. Everybody was hungry. Everybody. And uh, my, my first statement to them at the end of that night was, I don't want to say no. I would rather say yes to full stuff. So I don't want to go into tomorrow 86 and everything along the way all day long. Let's give them the real deal. We'll take a couple days. We'll regroup. We'll come back at this. I mean, people were happy. And the people that we did have to turn away were more than happy to come back in a couple of days. And they were there, and they were there in gangbusters because it didn't stop once we came back. I think you want your first impression when people come to your restaurant is like you have the whole gambit to choose from. And we didn't want that Saturday and Sunday people coming like, oh, we're out of that, we're out of this, we're out of that. Like, and then it's hard to get those people to come back at that point. So I think the decision to take a few, take two days off, build it up again, get all, you know, Sean working on his broth, he was grueling over the, over the pots, um, and just have the full menu back and ready to go for the rest of the week. Yeah, it would have been impossible for me to give them a, the broth that I'm giving them. Having to build it overnight, it would have been impossible to do it. And so that was part of the decision as well as I was out. You know, I had made a lot of it, and they eat it all. <laughs> so, 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 so let's, let's, let's take a peek behind the curtain. Then. How long, just, just as a, uh, that person who's looking in outside, have an answer. How long does it take you to build that broth up for that quantity? Like how long Two does days. it take? That's, that goes back to that idea of a craft. Like, sure, we could throw together a broth, but it's not that broth. Or put fillers in, you know, add other stuff, other things that were bought to make that flavor. Yeah, we don't use demi-gloss. We don't use any of those things. These are like real built broths. This is bones and vegetables and water. It's built for real. Plus we're working on induction burners, which is electric instead of gas. So it takes a little bit longer, but it would still take a long time for me to make that broth. No, that's just good. I think people so they can understand. Like, all right, this is what the process is. This is digging from scratch. You're not just doing fillers, throwing in, throwing in, going to like Safeway, getting chicken stocker, and just throwing them. You know, right? That's yeah. definitely part of the reason that we didn't want to reopen that next day is because we didn't want to give them not not what I was making. You know. Now the sushi man. Okay, we're gonna get you on. You on. You on now. I'm ready. Now, do we? I mean, to me, you know, I like some good ahi. I like some uh, bluefin um, tuna. It's blue, bluefin, right? Bluefin tuna, okay. Had to remember my fish here. How often do you guys, so people can, how often do you get the fish in? Um, do you get, let me, will you ever have like a whole side? I know when you get a bigger spot, showing you cutting that and cutting oh, yeah. it fresh. Like just for, I guess, for that, 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 show, that showman spirit, you know? I mean, my, my whole philosophy with the fish is that, and it's, it's, I believe it's in our mission statement where we have a respect for our ingredient and share it for the gift that it is to, to us. We get it as fresh as we can. If, if it's every other day, it's every other day. If it's every day, it's every day. We have a pretty good relationship with a, with a fish guy that I text really late at night and go, hey, I need some more fish tomorrow. Um, and he's more than happy to get it to us. We do plan on doing a, uh, when we get upstairs, doing a big tuna night where we'll get us a 300-pound tuna and the entire night will be tuna every way you can have it. We're going to grill it. We're going to put it in ramen. We're going to put it in sushi and just do it for real. Cocktail tuna. Cocktail. Maybe not. <laughs> It's a little weird. <laughs> no, but no. if anybody could do it, Alex could do it. It sounds delicious, though. I mean, I love a good tuna. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And what about ramen? What about you? Anything that, like, when you say, I mean, I'm glad you told the audience it's built from bones, from ground level. Is there anything that you, what's the, what's the popular ramen that you're selling right now? Let's get into that. Well, the, the one that is surprising me is the vegetarian. The vegan, we do a vegan broth, and that one is very, it, it's going a lot bigger than what I thought it would. Uh, the broth itself is amazing. If you haven't had it yet, you have to try it. It surprised me as much as it surprised, so I much, guess, everybody else. So much there. flavor. It's amazing. Okay. A new, it's unami in a bowl. So it's funny because when you say the vegetarian and vegan one, I always see on a specific Facebook page, People always asking for vegan or you know vegetarian op options. So I'm not kind of surprised because I, I kind of know people love those options. Um, do you 
So you, that's, a, that's a hot seller, huh? That's a, yeah. It's okay. the second biggest seller. What's your first biggest seller? For the spicy pork ramen. Why is that? Because <laughs> it's delicious. Everybody likes spicy. Everybody likes spicy food. Nobody, what's that? Well, yeah, but that, that part is, is one component of it. It's really the, the pork belly has no spice on it whatsoever. Um, and I think that that's, the broth is another big part of it, and it doesn't have any spice in it. It's the, I make my own kimchi, and that's where I put the spice into it. So, but the pork belly is delicious. Okay. I mean, you guys are getting me hungry. It's <laughs> day off here. So, again, I appreciate them coming on the day off because I know these guys are tired. They're working hard right now. So, with COVID-19 kicking up, we're hitting the wintertime. What game plan have you guys put together knowing that it's about to be cold? People don't want to come out. <laughs> you know, I know, the, I know you, I've seen you guys talk about curbside pickup. You talked about maybe delivery going. Would it be just you guys delivering in a certain radius, like some of the other restaurants around the area, or would it be more or less like you guys? Heaven forbid, I don't like saying DoorDash because they take money from whatever. You know what I mean? They, I don't like how they do things. What have you guys thought about going in? Because it's going to get cold. We have um, we have we have some of that outdoor seating that we've been trying to take advantage of. You know, October into November is coming upon us. Um, and a lot of spaces are getting heaters, and and I hope that really really works for them. That stuff is expensive, uh, just to maintain, just getting gas every day, every other day. So we don't really think uh, outdoor seating is really going to help us out. So yeah, it's focusing on online ordering, really really pushing and promoting that. Um, we are looking at delivery, um, most likely through our own systems. Um, there are, we are looking there. All of those third-party places, they do, they take so much off the top. It's it's really not beneficial for restaurants to to go through those. So there's there might be some. We've we've talked to some other uh, programs that we might do that that use uh, drivers, kind of like Postmates or um, or Uber Eats. I don't know. There's a lot of digging and, and research I still need to do, but. We definitely want to open up delivery as soon as we, we feel really comfortable that we can handle the volume, uh, expanding it past Hamilton, Lauraville. Um, yeah, I think, I think we agreed like a five, five mile radius. Yeah. You know, allowing a little more of Northeast Baltimore to, to try, try our delicious food. So you guys been open for about a week and a half, I'll say. Yeah. Where's the farthest my has come to visit you guys so far since you've been open? Uh, Bel Air, yeah, one of our uh, one of our great staff members. Their uh, their boyfriend lives in Bel Air, and he comes almost every day. <laughs> oh wow, wow, okay, wow. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, as far as just like you know, media wise, have you, media reached out to you guys yet about it or just you? Just well, <laughs> Baltimore business, Baltimore Business Journal, yeah, yeah. Journal, yeah. Great, I know one of the people who works for Baltimore Business Journal lives in that area. I know you're talking about, yeah. So that's awesome, and uh, and I that's one of the things I really do for this podcast. I want to like to promote places in Northeast Baltimore because I live here. And, uh, and that, that's the biggest thing. I live here um, and I want to make sure that businesses succeed here. There's a lot of great people doing great things here. So you helping everyone out. I try just, to, just great. I try yeah, to you do a all, great job. I try to interview all of them, all of every business, you know, and I want to make sure you guys are highlighted. I mean, I could say right now, I mean, just look at a couple of episodes I did in the past. You know, a lot of people are like, I did a whole thing with some food places. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, we have to go there now. We have to go there now. <laughs> go there. And I'm getting all this feedback. And they're like, oh, I've been there. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. I'm glad. As long as, you know, you come and be respectful and just understand it's a brand new business. They're starting off. And that's all I tell people. You know, and I really like what you guys are doing. Your customer service is excellent. You guys have always been friendly, cordial to me, and I love that. I love that. And I'll always speak highly of you guys just because even at the market every Tuesday, you know, I would, like, I would have the walk of shame, like, I'm coming back again. I came back, I came back, I came back twice. I came back twice in one day, I remember that. Oh, no, we, yeah. we remember. And I was, I was like, my whole damn paycheck gone, but it's all right. But, you know, I, I will pay top dollar for food, and I think most people are like that, too. They don't care about what price it is. If it's good food, they're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I like. When I go there, I'm like, I don't really care. It's food. I know I'm going to eat some good. When you eat something terrible, you're never going back. You're like, ah. And that's, but like you said, I like how you guys said your first impression. You didn't want to 86 stuff. Let's regroup. Let's make sure we're on top of our game. That way we give incredible customer service to these, you know, customers out here. 
Now, as far as Laurelville, Hamilton, what's the feedback you guys have gotten from the customers that have come in so far? We Incredible. Yeah. It, People are really loving it. I think, I think it's what kind of we touched upon. Um, yeah, there's lots of places to get sushi, but what, what Kevin's doing is just... You might have to travel a little farther to get something like that. So us to do that in this neck of the woods in Baltimore, I think people are just so grateful for. And I, you know, it's weird. Um, and maybe I just see it this way. I think it's pretty cool that you guys are doing it in that smaller space right now. I think sometimes things are meant to be certain ways. I agree. I, because it's a good test run. It is. To see yeah. what you got going on, see how you can handle it, and it just – I think sometimes things happen for a reason. We call it our test kitchen. Yeah, definitely our test kitchen. That makes sense. You know, and on every level, you know, Alex has to adapt the most out of three of us because he was usually putting alcohol in a drink, and he can't. Now he's got to adapt to making these awesome drinks without alcohol, and people are still buying them without alcohol. It's incredible. So you brought you. I didn't want to go to alcohol route, but you brought it up. <laughs> we know how Baltimore City is. We know how we work hard. We like to play hard. Any, <laughs> any information about that? We've tried. Uh, there's a potential that we might be able to do something with getting a liquor license down there, but it won't be until the beginning of next year um, when the session goes back in. I've been talking with um, Senator McCray. Yes, yep, Senator McCray. Yep, and. He thinks that he may be able to do something for us, but we'll, we'll wait and see. You know, it, it's a necessity. Who doesn't like sake with their sushi? I mean, who doesn't like sake bombs? <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the end of the night. <laughs> nine to nine. So this is what I'd like to do. Alex always makes fun of me because I, I, he's, like, he's like, Aaron, I know, I already know about the, the um, rapid fire. But I switched not, I switched not though. Uh-oh. I did switch him up. They're not the same ones, see? We are, to, we are in trouble. I had to get a little pump fake, you know? I was like, no, nah, no, nah, we can't have the same things. All right, rapid fire, folks. So we, we talked about fire and rice, and then we'll give it at the end. We'll talk about where they can find you, website, emails, all that good stuff. But rapid fire, what's your best sushi roll at rapid, at fire and rice? Tiger eye. What's, what's the tiger eye? Tiger eye is a, a, basically a slab of maguro that's split open with wasabi, asparagus, tobiko, and rice, and then wrapped in nori, and then battered and fried. Mm-hmm. So it's, it looks like a tiger's eye. It's delicious. But even though it's, like, f- fried, it's still, like, fresh. You still taste the clean tuna. It's, it's awesome. Is sushi really sushi you cooked? It's a good question. I always, always wonder that question. The, the word sushi means seasoned rice. Okay. okay. So the intention of sushi was that when the, the sailors came in, they would have the day-old rice that was seasoned with vinegar and the fish that they had. So it really can be anything with it. Okay. Your favorite broth? The veggie. <laughs> you could just put meat in it all day long for me. I'll eat the veggie broth with meat all day long. All right. We will go back to drums or flats? Flats. Flats. Drums. <laughs> Two out of three. Okay. 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 Right. Hold on. Here we go. Blue cheese or ranch? Blue cheese. Blue. Blue cheese. All right, we're, we're good now. Okay, because I'm ranch. I don't mess with that ranch. Because I'm eating a ranch, I'm like, no, you disqualify for that. Do you, do you guys count boneless wings as wings? No. no. That's a nugget. That's a ten. Yeah. That's what my kid eats. <laughs> I call them chicken tenders. That's all. <laughs> Favorite place to eat outside of your own restaurant? I thought about this a lot. You can say your house. You can say whatever you want to do. This is your show. Um, me and my wife were talking about this, and uh, we said Hamilton Tavern is like is like a hug. You just want to feel like comfortable. It's just great food. Uh, it's right down the street. But I do think some of our other places, um, Ordo down in Station North is really great. There's some really awesome uh, servers and bartenders that they just really help you through the menu. It's such a great menu, um, but if you're not used to that kind of food, like it can be a little overwhelming, and they just they nail it, just like helping you figure out what, what you're in the mood for. Uh, and then across the, right behind that is um, Le Comptoir de Vin, a nice little French spot on Maryland Avenue. Um, started, I think they, they got a bunch of accolades last year. 
but they're still, I think they've kind of pivoted. They're doing more of like a, a general store kind of stuff where they, they prep a couple meals for the week and they have different wines and, and like lentils that, that, that they really, really love. So I think um, because they had set themselves up as being such a, a great, great restaurant, um, they still get a lot of people coming during COVID and like helping them out. So that's really cool. But those are, yeah, those are some of my favorite spots. Sorry. I've, I've become a sucker for food trucks. They, they started a food truck rally up near my house and, it's it's awesome. I can go and get something different every other day. It's a it's a. I haven't been to a restaurant in seven months, other than this one. Um, so it just kind of feels weird to go into a restaurant sometimes if you're not like getting that real full experience. But food trucks are awesome. Well, growing up in the South and having barbecue places everywhere, moving up here it was hard for me to find a good Big Bad Wolf. So now I'm throwing a mystery question for you guys. If you had to go to brunch, what would, do you, what would, what would you get on your brunch menu? What would you get? If you had to go to brunch right now, for me, shrimp and grits. Um, you're a southern guy, so I'm thinking like maybe you might be a shrimp guy. I don't know. Shrimp and grits. What about you guys? Oh, steak and eggs. Eggs, Benedict. Chicken and waffles. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited mimosas or bottomless mimosas or not? Or bloody bloodies or bloodies or bottomless mimosas? Bloody, bloody. Uh, we used to do a whiskey mimosa. Yeah. A mimosa with a little shot of whiskey. That's a lot. That's a lot. Really <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> you don't want. The, you don't hit that bottom. Remind me, I don't want to drink with you. <laughs> I don't want to drink with you. Um, what was the best advice you guys have ever received? Go around. Go ahead. Be true to yourself. Um, I think that's when I started in the restaurant industry, I was started washing dishes and my wife was like, I don't care what you do as long as you do it with integrity. Kind of goes back to the very first restaurant that I ever worked in, uh, was a place called Henry and Jeff's. It's gone now, but, uh, the owner, Henry sat me down in the office and he asked me what was my plans for my life. And I said, I wanted to own a restaurant. And he said, go small, make it big, but start small. And that was the best piece of advice. And with what happened, it pushed us into a small and we'll go big. Sorry, my mic was down. Fire and rice, you guys are off the hot seat right now. So guys, could you guys please tell the listeners, like I said, I have listeners all over Maryland, California, PA, you know, I, I want them to come to your spot because when I have friends come in town, I will tell you that certain restaurants, I don't leave the neighborhood. I don't leave the neighborhood. I, they come <laughs> in town, like we're going to call places in the neighborhood and that's it. Tell the audience, why should I bring my friends or their listeners, the listeners to Fire and Rice? Why would, give us a reason for us to go there. Because we watch Kung Fu movies at night. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've just, we've really created um, just a comfortable atmosphere. Like, I think ramen's such a comforting dish. Um, sushi's so just fun and exciting. I mean, when you do it right. Um, and the, 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 what we've been able to do with the small space and the small budget that we have, it's just, it's still a fun, casual space to come and dine or just pop in talk to us a little bit and take something to go. I think that's one of the biggest that you're going to see us enjoying what we're doing and you'll be able to taste what we love. Yeah. We generally have a good time yeah, we do. <laughs> all night long. It's a good time. So give us um, some information where we can find you, you know, all the kids are doing TikTok. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where wherever social media is like real. This is Instagram, all that. I don't know. I don't. It's just so many social medias. But Twitter. Where, where can we find all of you guys on social media first? I think Inst Instagram is probably the best. Like we're always. Um, it's really easy for us to post new specials on there. Um, if if we add or change any of our our pickup um, guidelines, well, it's easy for us to post that on there and share with people, and other people can and tag us when they like their food or don't like their food. Hopefully they like it. Um, we're also on Facebook. We have a website, fireandricebaltimore.com, that there's an order online uh, link directly on that. Also on 
Instagram, we have that ordering link. Um, really, like, I worked really, really hard to make the ordering site really easy and understanding. We've been taking really great photos so everyone can see, get enticed by the Sean and Kevin's beautiful food. Um, yeah, Fire and Rice Baltimore, Fire and Rice Beemore. No, yeah. no Twitter? Come on, man. We gotta get, we gotta, Twitter? Gotta. There's some dark, dark circles in Twitter. I don't want to get it. Well, you, you never <laughs> that's, a, that's a dark road. Yeah. <laughs> you can go down a dark path on Twitter. Um, you're exactly right. But I just want to, again, give you guys a shout out for coming on the show. I know, I know I have a lot of food bloggers that listen to me. Come check them out. Let me know when you're coming over here. We'll eat together. I'm going to hop, skip, and jump away from here. You know, I can walk and get sushi now. That's pretty cool. <laughs> my, my headphones on, slippers, and just go <laughs> sushi, and nobody will judge me. So um, we're not again, gonna judge. No, no judge. Just free zone. Like like what they said, wherever that workout place is, just free zone. But again, I appreciate you guys taking time out your day. I know it's your day off, but again, keep on doing what you're doing. The community will support you. You know, I always tell people. You know, I tell Alex, I'll give you honest feedback. I'm gonna tell you what it is. I'm gonna tell you if I don't like it. If not. It is what it is. We all have different palates. We all have different tastes. You know, some people like sushi. Some people like fried sushi. I, I mean, I don't, to me, I need a raw fish. Damn near, I'm gonna swim off the, on my plate. <laughs> That's how I, I was telling you the other day. I, I had scallops. I eat scallops raw out of a bag. I'm like, and people don't even know how. That's amazing taste by itself. You know, having that. So again, um, I appreciate you guys all coming in on the show. And uh, again, nothing but success going forward. And when you guys open up the big spot. We'll do, we'll, do, we'll do a show in there. Cool. Yeah, yeah for sure. Let's do a show Let's before definitely, you definitely, yeah. And by that time, hopefully I'll have a little more money. I can do cameras and cool stuff <laughs> like that. But again, thank you guys for coming on. Any last words? Thank you. Stay hungry, guys. Yeah. Stay safe. On that note, folks, love, peace, and happiness. We're out.